Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace. From the padded cells of Smith's Grove Sanitarium to the leafy streets of Haddonfield, Illinois, we are Halloweenies. Welcome to Halloweenies, for real. I'm Wolfman Mac, and I'm here with Mike Vanderbilt, and we're tan because we had the pleasure of touring Halloween Horror Nights down at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, for International Podcast Day. But wait, wasn't that in September? That's correct. Now, however, (laughs) sadly, another horrifying event took place in September, and that is, of course, Hurricane Ian. Uh, Mike, how close were we to actually going down there for that event? So <clears throat> I'm I, <laughs> I would make a terrible Jedi because I'm always craving adventure and excitement. And I certainly wasn't going to let a little thing like a tropical storm or a hurricane encroach on what was intended to be a four day trip down to. Universal Studios Orlando and Islands Adventure, uh, mostly to tour the 10 Halloween Horror Nights houses, which I'd I've ne- I'd never been to Universal Studios. I told right. the story count- countless times on a trip that the last time I was in Orlando for a theme park was went to Disney MGM in 1990, in the spring of 1990 when I was 10, and Universal wasn't going to be open until May. And we would have totally gone to Universal had we been on our May just to ride the Jaws ride because that has been a lifelong obsession in the Vanderbilt household. So I was very excited about going. It's uh, Sunday night. I was working Oktoberfest at Rock Island Public House, and Mac texted me and said he that he was apprehensive about going. Now, but, now, but you have reasons. Now, to there's free. a reason for that because I was in New Orleans when the hurricane that rolled through the I'm, I'm blank, blank, blanking on the name of it. I think it's another I name rolled through new orleans last year and i was stuck down there for about 10 days with no no electricity no nothing and really uh got to see that town step up and kind of help each other out which was really cool however no knowing that this was also going to be a cat four cat five rolling into and what looked like directly orlando at the time of the morning of which our flights were uh I just couldn't do it. So I ended up canceling. And then within an hour or two of me having would have, I would have been on the plane a couple of hours when we finally got the cancellation from universal. So kudos to them for really trying to stick it out. <laughs> I'll tell you, cause I had Mac convinced Sunday night. I started pulling out all, it was like, um, <laughs> it was like George Clooney practicing the speech to Brad Pitt in, uh, oceans 11. In oceans. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I was using this thing that uh, a friend of mine, uh, Gumball, uh, if you know, you know, he likes this phrase. He uses this phrase. Don't ask what if you lose. What if we win? And that's and, and what that was all it was, took. 
That was all it took. I was in. I was in. And then I woke up in the morning. I looked at the projections and it was clearly moving even further towards Orlando. And I thought, eh, even if we can sneak a day in, it's just not worth it. Because then we wouldn't be able to get back here. And, well, and, and folks, I had I had tickets to Iron Maiden. I had tickets <laughs> to Iron Maiden. I wasn't going to miss it. So ultimately... Uh, well, I was a fool. I was, I was four <laughs> blocks away from the airport when I got the call from Linda. Hey, I know. Uh, I couldn't believe her. you were still like, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. And I also you know told Mac, I also told Mac I would bring the, after I convinced him to go, I was like, I'll bring the deck of cards <laughs> in case we do get stuck in the, <laughs> and that's in, really in, all we did Delta. when we were at the hurricane, we played a lot of cards, but you know what? We were lucky because universal, the folks at universal all real stand up and they rescheduled the event for around mid October. Uh, so we were able to make it down. It's great weather, great fun. Uh, now this is the only we, disappointing part of the trip, though, because it was supposed to be four. So we was, crammed all of this action, all this great action into two days. But you know what, Mike? They could, they very well could have just canceled the whole thing and just said, Absolutely. we'll see you next year. So I'm glad that we got uh, what we got. Because you know what? It was fast and furious, pun intended. But it it, it was great. It was really fun. Uh, now, in addition to all this... They wanted us, uh, they, they gave us the opportunity to, to interview some of the creative talents behind the haunted houses, as well as the new Velocicoaster. And those folks are Charles Gray, Matt Flood, Shelby Honey, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, and Greg Hall, respectively. Now, I can safely say this is not only the best roller coaster I've been on, but it is easily more thrilling and memorable than any of the recent Jurassic film entries. Would you agree <laughs> with that? Um, I, I suppose I could agree, but I stopped after Jurassic World. I remember oh, going to see that one, and my buddy, my buddy Pat, who I go to see a lot of movies with, just looking over at me. And you know, because after, I mean, the first, there's only been three movies before that prior, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know, even three, three is just a really good B movie. I always said. Like, uh, yeah, I enjoy three. I think three has a lot of fun elements to it. He, he just looked over me and said, that was a bad movie, huh? And you're kind of shocked <laughs> when uh, a series that has you know, pretty standard quality throughout the whole thing uh, just kind of starts to starts to stink. But the Velocicoaster, uh, as a roller coaster enthusiast, actually, this trip kind of rekindled my love of roller coasters. In fact, yeah. I want to start visiting more of the theme parks again. Like we have Six Flags Great America here in Chicago. Uh, I've done Bush Gardens down in Tampa, uh, Kings Island, uh, Cedar Point, done them all. And uh, the Velocicoaster is now, I think, my favorite roller coaster of all time. And you'll hear it in the interview. Yeah. One of the reasons is it, it does a little bit of everything and it does some stuff that there isn't even names for in the roller coaster community yet. Yeah. Uh, really cool. I mean, we're talking about it on the Halloween's podcast because it, <laughs> it merited that much discussion. High and fast, just how I like it. Now, what was really cool, they they allowed us to record in their broadcast studio, uh, so that was fun. And um, if you hang around after our rankings of the houses, we're going to have those two interviews back-to-back for you, so stick around for that. However, that's the origin story of this trip, and now we're here. And we're going to talk about the haunted houses as as we as we tackle this as we do. We're gonna we're gonna do it with our how we do our rankings episodes, right? Run down our top ten list and only speak about said house once both of us have mentioned it. So if this gets messy, it's Wolfman Mac and Mike Vanderbilt. So get ready. <laughs> now, Mike, 
why don't you start off and then once we've both named it i'll 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 do the little intro here on the universal uh website of the little blurbs to give people a taste of what this house is supposed to be and then we can talk about whether it lived up to that and uh our, our pros and cons so Absolutely. what's your number 10 uh coming in at number 10 uh bloom house freaky and the black phone oh baby let's talk about it the horrors oh. of blumhouse freaky and the black phone now i have yet to see the black phone i almost watched it just so we could talk about it and just so <laughs> i would know what i was looking at however i feel like a haunted house should not have to work like that it should not only work if you're familiar with the property and I feel like that was the issue here. Now, let me read let me read this, uh, this out here. Okay. It says, get ready for blood-curdling new double feature of Blumhouse horror as you scream, as your scream squad faces a ruthless serial killer and freaky and an evil kidnapper and the relentlessly terrifying the black phone. Now, Mike, am I right in that? Were you completely lost having not seen freaky in the freaky section of this house? I can't say completely lost because I I know the story. You know what horror um, movies are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen Freaky Friday, to be fair. Uh, all, um, right, all right. Well, like, I did I get, think that that was kind of confusing, right? For the people that I, I, haven't seen Fre- Freaky, you walk into this I, house. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, let me just no, like, go, let me go, go on this go. tangent. Get you it, walk into it. this house and you have, you know, essentially the Vince Vaughn character with the mask on and the knife come at you. But then the rest of the house, you have the, the 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 woman the lead of the movie coming after you and going after that guy so you're really confused as to who you're supposed to be rooting for because you don't have the context of the movie if you haven't seen it right it's really i don't know i thought it was kind of confusing and well, yeah go ahead go ahead well i was gonna say yes to your point that a haunted house should work on its own and you know what there were from what I can recall, I mean, this trip was a whirlwind. From what I recall, there were a couple good jump scares in there. But for me, there was no appeal there because I hadn't seen, I haven't seen a black phone or freaky. So well, I yeah. guess if I was a consumer, like if I had gone down there and there's 10 houses and I, that would just be like the last house I'd visit or one of the ones I would skip. So I can't speak to somebody who maybe is a big fan of those movies. That is because I do like the idea of an IP tied to these because I think two of our favorites that we'll get to later are very tied to Mm -hmm. big horror movie IPs. And I certainly understand how the money game works with you know Bloomhouse is promoting their oh yeah, absolutely. This house was unremarkable to me as someone who had not seen the movies. But I will say that black phone mask is pretty creepy. The black phone mask is really good. Uh, the problem with the house isn't necessarily the IP or the the scenes they decided to show us in the house. There just wasn't a lot going on in the houses themselves, except for the the, the entry to both. I thought were pretty good, right? So the, for Freaky, you have the wall of masks, and then the one mask is missing. Thought that was cool, and I was like, oh, we're we're in for it. But then it was just like a lot of black hallways. And then every every once in a while, you'd come upon a scene being played out or a jump scare. And the problem is we also had gone to some of the best or a few of really good ones that were really immersive. I mean, everything, every detail was thought of in those other houses. And this was really leaning on the IP only. And I think that that's a mistake. I think if you're going to go with IP, build it out like another house we're going to talk about later on. And I think that's worth noting that we are part of uh, our scare squad consisted of folks from some other podcasts 
and uh, mostly uh, theme park podcast. Yeah, which is, parks pods. We were the odd men out. It was a we, we were entering a different world. Yeah. And they, uh, they we were all two great, great though. Great, great oh, company they, too. And and they, and they and they were really fun to walk with. They were the into houses. it. They got they you know, were really world, yeah. yeah. World pros to horror movies. So it takes a lot to scare <laughs> the Wolfman and Vanderbilt. I think we but both we got great... scared a few times though. <laughs> <laughs> there's some good video from there we had two great tour guides and emmanuel and paul who kind of would break down and give us a story behind each house beforehand uh and i lost my train of thought what i was gonna say oh i was gonna say no, that no. when you are it was great because we were kind of we were skipping lines and getting right into these things but when you do hit 10 haunted houses in a row you do become a little desensitized you do, but I did find that the good ones still got me. Absolutely. Right? And that's that's what where we I, went to the best one last. And that's where I kind of grabbed my I was like, okay, well, which ones actually really scared me? And which ones was I just walking through admiring how it looked or how, how you know, there were different elements to it, but uh that's how I kind of created the list. Now, I think we've said all we need to say about this particular house. And just for for the folks listening, this is something you can go do. There's a thing called the RIP tour, which I think is absolutely worth it, where you just get RIP slash VIP access to all 10 haunted houses, all five scare zones, and then possibly a show or two. So worth it if you have the, the, the moolah, if you have the green, the cash. The show we saw was wild. Uh, it involved a lot of acrobatics and theatrics and magic and fire play and was rather risque. Rather risque. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because I, I you know, of course, we're, of course, we're going on a true blue tangent, as usual. The It was a, the nightmare show, I think. And it it's what kind of replaced the Bill and Ted show, which I was really partial to. But obviously, they got rid of that for many reasons strangely like a year or so before the new bill and ted's movie came out and i thought wow that would have just revamped it why didn't you just wait <laughs> yeah that show was actually pretty entertaining i thought i was pretty impressed with the performers but getting back to uh <laughs> to our list that was our number 10 mike i want you to give me your oh you know i'll i'll do my number nine now how about that perfect my number nine is Hellblock horror and my number nine is Descendants of Destruction. Oh, okay, okay. Well, my number eight is Descendants of Destruction. So we can talk there about this house. Go. Now, why is this so far down on your list? Because in recalling the the 10 houses that we visited, this one just kind of... and. This is no slight. It was just unremarkable compared to the other entries. I think, uh, and I, I've, I've railed on this on uh, Twitter about lists sometimes. Mm. It's not that when something sits at number nine on a list of 10, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that there's eight that are better, right? Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's kind of the case here. I mean, we, we're giving these a hard time, but I, I would still tell everybody to go hit all these houses. <laughs> it's just fun. It's fun. The, here's the, all right. Here's a little intro to this. This was kind of tied to another house, but they were separate, so we separated them out here. It says deeper, darker, deadlier. Now, Descendants of Destruction, I believe, was kind of a house in years prior or a scare zone of sorts, and they kind of revamped it and turned it into this. It says, careful not to leave any of your Scream Squad behind you as you descend the subway tunnels of a deserted New York. Lurking in the dark are hungry mutants looking to feast on the last rem remnants of humanity. 
I had to read that to remember what was in the house because I really could not remember because I think the problem with that house is it's kind of like Halloween kills and Halloween ends where the next house that we walked into had the benefit of this one going first because the next one I thought was far superior and more memorable. (laughs) And I don't remember this one. I do remember pointing out as we were walking through the house, Hey, that's a subway car. (laughs) That's, that's really it. That's really yeah, it. There might have been a scare here or there, but I don't remember the aesthetic or the house itself that well. Maybe it's because I'm a city I'm a city boy, but the subway don't scare me that much. Oh, <laughs> you're not scared of of uh, hungry mutants uh, looking to feast on the remnants of humanity? No, oh, man, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean I just described Chicago? <laughs> uh, no, I love Chicago, but we are all hungry mutants down here. Yeah, it, it just didn't really do it for me. And I, and it's weird because this should have been a more immersive house because it's not really tied to an IP, so they really could have just done whatever they wanted. And it, clearly they had elements of the subway and the subway cars, but it was kind of you know, just... I don't think they mad. did enough with it. it, didn't, it didn't you have can a do good, a lot yeah. more when you have like something that involves subway cars. Like, you know, have a subway car kind of roll through at some point. There, Right. There, oh, you know what, though? They, they did have those fake one. outs where you'd come around the corner and it would be like the lights and you'd hear the sound of that, like you were going to be run over, you know? Yeah, like you're in Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. It really did feel like that, right? Okay, okay. So that was Descendants of Destruction. I think from here on out, it's. I feel like it's just all going to be positive stuff, in my opinion. Like the rest of the houses, I actually really enjoyed on a level which I didn't as much these others even even my nine i have better things to say about it than my eight what is your number eight pick is that what we're on now we are on number eight and i'm gonna go with bugs eaten alive okay so that was both our so my number eight was descendants yours is bugs my number seven the weekend after hours nightmare and my number seven is spirits of the coven Oh, oh! Well, then we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling here for a second, and by a second I mean second because my number six is bugs eaten alive. Well, hold on. Let me read the little bug entry here. It's absolutely necessary. While touring a 1950s home of the future, you'll be surrounded by the slime of bugs everywhere as hordes of many-legged terrors descend upon you and your scream squad. You'll be dropping like flies. Now, this one I felt was really, really well thought out and realized. Would you say that? It's very imaginative. And I like, I especially like the setting it in the 1950s. I just thought that was a cool touch. Uh, One of my favorite memorable, one of the most memorable moments isn't even really a scare. It's this very attractive 50s housewife kind of doing like an ad for. Oh, yeah, yeah for the uh the air conditioner and a uh, little inside baseball while we were waiting in line for this one the scare actors were coming through <laughs> and this the the girl who plays the the housewife before and after she's mutated were walking next to each other chit-chatting so the one's <laughs> looking all you know all foxed up and then the other one's like all grody looking with all sorts of gore and stuff on her face and I, that i will never i will never forget that moment like the eggs hatching from her face 
Yeah, it, that was pretty... Actually, that was actually really fun to see that. Every once in a while, you know, they have... So they have these actors going in shifts and I, and you think that it would like pull you out of it, but people were still getting really scared when these like lines of, cause you have lines of people dressed up in these awful horrifying costumes, just like walking to the back lot, <laughs> but people were still unnerved should... by it. And you do, you do get to see those weird things where it's just like, they shouldn't be just laughing and talking. It seems strange. It seems scary. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's unnerving. Uh, and one of the nice touches on this house was the billboard out in front of it. Uh, the future is now kills pests safely, cools your home. And it's a very, I would say era accurate ad for yeah. the exterminator. You've got people laying on tables with giant roaches on them. You've got just like bugs galore. They had a lot of, uh, what was, what was the term that was like the in your face horror where it was like things dripping it's, and uh, things I, falling from the ceiling and hitting it's your like face gist you or through. something like that. There's a, it, there's an inside baseball term for it. And they did a lot with that. Something uh, they did a lot of this in these houses and at the shows, uh, they did it at the the Bourne stunt show, the Jason Bourne stunt show, which was pretty cool. Uh, not horror, really, but uh, where you'd get like droplets of water. Right. Like right. Just enough that you could feel it, but not enough that it would like ruin your clothes. Right. It's just like interactive. And it's a nice little enough, touch. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a tangible touch. And like I said, it was the most one of the most realized houses. You really felt you were stepping into that film or something. You know what I mean? And just walking and around I, it. A really great idea for a movie. I think I, I would totally watch this movie, especially if they kind of oh, yeah. use like the monsters are the monsters are scary, but they're also kind of very cheesy 1950s sci-fi style right like, up my alley <laughs> they're very they're very rubbery looking uh, i think they get the aesthetic just right on yeah. this house it's got a really yeah. dark sense of humor too which i, I think agree. is cool because and a lot this... of houses like it's fun but they do take the story very seriously and this one just has its tongue planted firmly in in cheek like yeah. i could see this being a joe dante movie or like pairing well with that movie parents where randy quaid plays the that's uh, right the the cannibal or, or matinee right okay. uh, oh this this is the movie they would be watching in that <laughs> yeah right now so we were talking about this earlier descendants of destruction that house this is the house that's right after it Am I right in th thinking yes. that? Yeah. And so, like, uh, our tour guide said it was like a house and a half almost. Yeah. Is how he described it. So it was ultimately better and more memorable. So unfortunately, I, I, maybe if you're going to, if you're going to hit these houses, hit them in the different order, <laughs> hit bugs first and then <laughs> descendants, maybe it'll stick better. Okay. Did you name your number six? No, but I'm going to go with uh, Fiesta de Chupacabras. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. We're going to keep moving on here then. And oh. we're going to, but now we're going to talk about my number five spirits of the coven. All right. I think the story on this one is what really drew me in. I okay. think they use the house best yeah. to tell the story where you're kind of, it, it really advances the plot. I think it's what they were trying to do with freaky, but it doesn't necessarily hit as well as this one. The problem, so freaky, so specific, whereas this is so. This is a, a coven of beautiful flapper witches will lure you into their 1920s speakeasy, reveal their haggish true form, and turn your scream squad into a witch's brew. They'll be cackling, you'll be screaming. It's more of a broad idea, so it's easy to get that across, right? <laughs> like immediately you walk in and 
who doesn't want to be in a 1920s speakeasy? So you're immediately just like impressed by that. And it's just fun to be in that era. And 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 the house, the house looks great. You're walking through and then, yeah, you've got these, these beautiful flapper witches, uh, you know, turning on you and killing the, the, the folks inside. And uh, I thought it was done really quite well. I thought the theme was really solid. And that's something I think that, that you need. And that's what Blumhouse and black phone didn't have. It was just a lot of really dark rooms with like people from the franchise, but like not a lot of now granted black phone, I think takes place like in an empty basement. <laughs> so it's like, what, what can you do? They, <laughs> I mean, like, it was authentic. That one was authentic. What can you say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, authentic but, to um, a fault maybe, but I like witch stories. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I think witches are cool because you know, a lot like vampires, like those are like the two sexiest monsters, right? Like witches can be scary and sexy at the same time. And I always dug like I like again, it goes back to the fifties thing in the other house, like taking a horror story and setting it out of my time, but close enough to my era where like I look, I've drank in a bar before. <laughs> so yeah. I have like that point of reference. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that it it just, I don't know, it spoke to me. I, I think because usually when you go to these houses, I think the t- the time setting was was pretty instrumental because, you know, here you are in the back lot of Universal. They've got to have billions of costumes and all sorts of stuff. So like this was kind of like they're using this to their advantage in a way that I don't think anybody had thought of before. Uh, now the yeah. Halloween, the Halloween Horror Night uh trolls and i say that lovingly are going to come after me and say well they did uh, something in the 1940s last year and well this is the first year we got to go guys yeah it's the first year that <laughs> and we had a great I time i have not gone in 17 years so now i grew up in orlando florida and i've gone to some of the really early houses but back then it was only like maybe four houses a night you know maybe maybe two in in islands of adventure and two in universal so it's been a while and and i have to say they've really stepped up their game over the last 15 years it's crazy to say oh, there's, that there's some not only serious creativity but serious money in these yeah. things oh, you can tell it yeah. and in this one i love the set design and i kind of touched on it as we started talking about it it's so slow the transition for like you know what i want to say you're only walking through there for a minute but the slow transition from the speakeasy to this underground lair where the witches are is so subtle yeah, uh, that it just kind of takes you by surprise when you and get it, to the end of the house. And like you said, I think that is the thing, right? Uh, most of these houses are very short walks. If you're just going at a pretty decent pace, I think they, you know, they, I feel like Paul kept saying that, you know, oh, this house is like a seven minute walk. And I'm like, nah, we we did it in like three minutes, but it's just because, you know, normally you don't, if you're walking through it alone, you're probably taking your time. You're not trying to, you're not thinking there's a line behind me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we got to keep moving yeah. it through. But if, if you're able to tell that story within that short period of time with just maybe glances at rooms and, and racing through a dark corner, you know, I, I think that's pretty solid work. Okay. So what's your number five? I was looking at other, I was looking at, I was looking at the houses that I lost. I lost my Google Doc here where I have my rankings. So my number five is going to be. Or did you already say? And we're going to talk about it right now. Oh boy. Hell Block Horror. Hell Block Horror. Okay. 
this is this was a tough one for me to put it lower on the list because we when we walked out of it, Mike, I I, I had a lot of good things to say about it initially. But I think it's just when you put it up against everything else and all the elements, this did seem kind of like we lost the house and now we've got to throw a house together. Although I think they did it well. I think that's what it kind of felt like, right? Well, I think that's, to your point, I think that's what I liked about it. When uh, our tour guide, Paul, was explaining to us that they kind of threw this house together at the last minute. And uh, tell uh, what's the story on this one? Do we have a blurb for this one? Oh, yeah, yeah. So as these monsters escape their prison, there's no escape for you. Enter a prison whose savage inmates are monstrous creatures. If they break free from their cells, it's a death sentence for everyone. So that doesn't that gives you a little taste, but when we when you do the tour, you get a lot more information. So ultimately something has happened where there's there's kind of been like another dimension that's opened up somehow in the prison. So the prison is just a normal prison as you walk into it, but something has gone wrong. And as you continue, things start kind of not making sense and words start looking like symbols. And you realize like you've kind of walked into this like like dimensional mix where now it's like a, a, a prison, but of some other world or something. And so you have all these creatures in the jail jumping out at you. And I, I thought it was really well done. It kind of reminded me, and I went to Meow Wolf which is, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's an art art installation. There's three of them and there's one in Las Vegas. And I was just there after we <laughs> finished our trip. And that is kind of like, here's a supermarket, but the deeper you go, things start not making sense. And the products start, uh, the products are really weird. And, you know, maybe you open a door to a freezer and there's a hallway, you know, and you go through that hallway and it gets more and more bizarre and weird. Kind of the same idea, actually. This was, uh, obviously, this was a curated walkthrough, that kind of idea. Yeah, I, I think I like the idea more than the actual house, because essentially, it was a lot of people dressed up in prison outfits, and then they had like a monster head or something, you know? That's what worked for me about yeah. it, because yeah. I feel like I feel like this one, its disadvantage became its advantage. Yeah. And it felt very much to me like a Roger Corman Star Wars ripoff. Mm -hmm, and two of the things mm -hmm. I love about Roger Corman movies and Star Wars is that idea of just taking a monster movie mask and putting some sort of ridiculous costume on it. And in this case, <laughs> it's the, the prison jumpsuit. And now yeah. it's a whole new character. And That's... I think that that looseness of the story and that idea of the team kind of coming together at the last minute to concoct this wild story of an intergalactic, interdimensional prison break. I would watch this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's why I think the idea is sound and solid. And I, I was making up a lot of stuff in my head as we walked out of there, like, oh yeah, it would've been cool. It would've been cool to see more of this room or this. But in terms of actual scares, didn't, I was more like, oh, I want to hang out in here. <laughs> I wasn't as scared <laughs> as I was some of the others. So that's why it fell lower on my list. I appreciated the swing, I guess. That was our number five picks. And I think we're moving into number four, correct? Indeed we are. Number four for me, and this might surprise you, Universal Monsters Legends Collide. I am surprised by that pick because my number four is Dead Man's Pier, Winter's Wake. Well, let's talk about one of those two because my number three 
is Dead Man's Pier, Winter's Wake. Now, let me here. Let me read the little uh, intro to this, because this was a very this was another house, I believe, that was based on there's a scare zone. It was called like Dead Man's Harbor in years prior. Yeah, they kind of explained this was like a sequel. Yeah, and this is kind of the sequel house now to it. It says you're dead in the water in a New England fishing village. Undead fishermen emerge from the waves to seek their revenge. You and your scream squad may have escaped their hooks in the scare zone. Now they'll reel you in and drag you under. Uh, so even in the description, they mentioned the scare zone that had prior uh, had had been in prior Halloween Horror Nights events in the past. So that's kind of cool that they decided to elaborate on one of those popular scare zones this year. Since we're here, we were also lucky enough to do two lights on tours of the haunted houses and those two houses were dead man's pier and fiesta de chupacabras dead man's pier the reason i have it so it it wasn't as scary but the reason i have it number three for me is because it was easily the best looking house and you know, it not only reminded me of the fog, but like it felt like you were there. You know, I mean, it was really, really well put together, and solid sound ideas behind some of the scares, which I think actually were pretty effective. Um, uh, one of the most effective parts of that. So it's set in an English like fishing village. Yeah. Uh, in the winter time, so as soon as you walk in that first room, like you're in the you know eighty degree, uh, you know, uh, night at in, in Orlando, Florida, and then you walk into this room and you see the fake snow on everything, and they have the air conditioner cranked, and it really did just sort of take you away. Yeah, like you, I mean, you right felt, but gate. you didn't feel like you were in a house. Yeah, yeah. And you walk into it. It's, it's essentially it's a it's a soundstage. So you have this cavernous. You know, it really looks like nighttime above you, right? Because everything's just dark and blacked out but you feel like you're walking into this little harbor town. And then you go into one of the, one of the, the shops there, right? One of the houses is a bar. I think it was the first, you walk right into the bar, a bar. is the first room. Uh, and then you I have yeah, the bartender for a Malort. And uh, that's right. <laughs> he did not respond. Did he have it? He we'll did not. I don't think he did, <laughs> but uh, yeah, e- easily one of the best uh, put together houses that I've walked through. The scope was impressive in that. Yeah. Because you have all these great little rooms, you have you know the guy you have a guy in an old school diver's costume, which is you know those are creepy anyway. Uh, uh, utilized to great effect in the 1986 film Killer Party, for the record. Yeah. And you're kind of going through all these small rooms, and all the lighting is cool. And I have a thing for like that that Eastern uh, Sea uh, Port kind of life like it looks like a best made catalog where you just want to put on uh, put on your <laughs> your big wool turtleneck and sit at the bar and have a bowl of clam chowder and i will uh, say and, that bar right at the beginning i kind of was like oh this is real cozy i would have just sat there and then gotten very, the malort with you as well <laughs> it was very comfy because i got to sit at, i was sitting at it during the uh the lights on tour another uh deep sea diver uh uh, mention I wanted to throw out there was Men of Honor with Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> gave me, it gave me those vibes. I, I, I felt like maybe it's the rotting corpse of Robert De Niro. You're good. But they, so you go through all these small rooms, right? And then you get to the centerpiece of the mm-hmm. house where mm-hmm. they have like the wrecked front half of a ship and the widow playing her violin atop it 
wearing all white and it's like one half makeup one half lighting that kind of draws your eyes to her and it, it's just a cool ending it's a you know, it 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 seems like I hate to use the term elevated horror or anything, but this like this could be a movie produced yeah. by a, or rather distributed by A24. It just kind of add like an an arty sort of bent to it that I liked. I think you've hit another level of prestige haunted house when you hit a room where you just want to stop and watch it. <laughs> you don't even want to keep rushing through it because you're too scared. And some people might think that that's a fault, but I felt like. You really wanted to live in this world. And as a horror fan, I feel like that's what we go for, right? We want to be in these films. We want to be walking around amongst these things. And it and it feels really kind of comforting in a weird way. And this was the house that kind of did that for me. Because then after that, I think you, you kind of go and you're kind of in the in the depths, right? You're like underwater for the rest of the house, I believe. You have some creatures like floating around on, you know, you know, and granted that it's all wiring and everything, but it was pretty, the, the ideas were really fun. So yeah, that, that was my, my number three, but what was your number three? Number three, we're going to talk about it. The weekend after hours nightmare, the weekend after hours nightmare. Now I have to say, I enjoy the weekend's music, but when I heard about this initially, I thought, what <laughs> look why, I was the why, same way. why is he doing a haunted house however we found out that he reached out to universal and was like i really want to do this with y'all and that's pretty cool well here's the intro and then you can talk about it it's music to your fears you love his music but can you survive his mind the weekend is about to stalk your squad through this haunted house, a surreal living nightmare from this from his after hours videos. His nightmare is now yours. So what do they mean by that, Mike? Uh drug drugs? I have a feeling <laughs> a lot of weekend songs are about are about drugs. Well, <laughs> I feel like right when you walk in, right? You have the weekend sitting in a chair and you have like all these tubes coming out of his head right into these video screens it's like kind of like you're like okay now we're going to be going into his mind right his sick and twisted mind because that's what i think about when i think of the weekend sick and twisted and scary no but i like Extreme. the idea right because his aesthetic in these videos they really nail it and i think turning a horror edge to it is actually really uh really well done right i love when like people gain enough celebrity and money. Sometimes I love when they get to do whatever they want, especially when it's horror related. It's like that idea of LeBron James saying, I want, I want to see a new fight at a 13th movie. So I'm going to make it happen. And hey, you know the what? Weekend, I was on board with that. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. I just want a Friday movie. I don't care who's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and with someone like the weekend who, you know, he was probably, he's probably, you know, young enough where he may have been going to these haunted houses yeah. when he was a kid and just like, I want to do that and to have that kind of influence and say, I want to come up with my own aesthetic, my own style, my own you know, vision for one of these houses. And as, as I've talked about in the show, I love when a horror movie has a rock and roll kind of vibe and this, the weekend house definitely did. It was also the first house that we went into yeah. on the tour, which I think is worth noting, especially for me, because I really didn't know what to expect from these That's houses. Right. So you had not been to Halloween Horror Nights or Universal until this trip, as you mentioned. Indeed. 
You have been to some other haunted houses before, though, right? In the area, no, Reaper, in the Chicago area? Reaper's Realm in uh, Northwest okay. Indiana was my favorite for a long time. So before we move on, I think this merits talking about a little bit because we're talking about the production value of these houses. And between Dead Man's Pier and The Weeknd, and having, you know, a, a music star come in and be like, hey, let's collaborate. Let's do this. I got to give it to the local haunted houses. I still think they do a pretty good job of meeting this level of haunted housery, as it were put by me just now. Well, I think uh, the, 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 you know, the local haunted houses, if you will, it, they just have to be more creative. And that goes to like big budget versus low budget horror filmmaking, right? Yeah. These guys at Universal are essentially they're universal. They're even like your 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 new lines these days. And the local haunted houses are that's your Roger Corman. That's the guys who are putting it together with, you know, they're going to the spirit of Halloween store and saying, Okay, how can we take this what is essentially kind of cheap junk and jazz it up and make <laughs> it scarier? And yeah. I I love that. Well, something uh, something about that too is I think because of Halloween Horror Nights, I think not only has it have haunted houses in general gain more popularity among everyone, not just like horror fans. So I think they're kind of working with each other in a way, you know, like as that gets better, they're kind of like, we've got to push the envelope and vice versa. So it's all good things for horror. I, I, I like to think if there are folks, uh, in that realm of, of of the local haunted houses uh, to to different states and and cities that disagree and they're like well, we're really we're really not happy about you know these these other park houses let us know in the comments you know uh-huh. hey good artists borrow great artists artists steal go to the universal horror house i mean and that's what i like doing when i listen to other podcasts or, or go to other people's trivia events i i totally say oh that was a good idea i'm gonna take that and bring that to mind. And no, 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 Mike. All of our ideas are original. <laughs> Podcasts too. We came up with the idea for podcasts in general. <laughs> so, all right. So that was that was Dead Man's Pier, Winner's Wake. That was my number three. Did you say your number three? Was my that, number three was the weekend. Was the weekend? Okay. Yes. So, oh, also to mention the weekend before we move on from the weekend, the weekend's music's playing throughout. So it is kind of fun. You do want to you just you're kind of jamming with it, but it is also being played. Uh, there's other weird kind of minor key music being played with it. So it gives this really strange effect. And the one, the one thing that really stuck out for me from that house is the nurse that's using the liposuction on that torso. And she's really oh, yeah. digging it in there and just poking it I into the entire body. That. that was really disturbing. Um, Gave me some uh, uh, good, good, good night, mommy feels. Is that is that the name of that movie? Good <laughs> night, mommy vibes. This is bandaged, uh, bandaged up in the same way. Okay, let's move to the number two. My number two, and we're going to talk about it, is Fiesta de Chupacabras. Now, maybe it's because they said they repurposed a lot of American Werewolf from London <laughs> beasts for this one. And I didn't get to come down for that. And I really wish I had, because man, I feel like that would have been really cool, but this really does stand on its own. I felt, let me read the little blurb here for this one. Listen to your abuela and Beware the chupacabras. Visit a Latin American village where the legend of the creature chupacabras is celebrated with a colorful fiesta. 
and the streets are lined with the crimson blood of tourists like you and your amigos. Now, the whole idea behind this is that the chupacabras are plaguing this town, right? And the locals are like, we're going to create this festival to draw tourists and and then we're going to feed the tourists as kind of like a sacrifice so that the chupacabras leave the village alone. And spoiler alert, it works. <laughs> I thought this was really solid. And this is another one where right when you walk in, you kind of get that feel like you're not in the same place. It's like you're outside in this little village. It's night. You can kind of see the tops of some of the roofs of the village in the distance. And then yeah, a lot one of, of, great, one of the uh, locals welcomes design. you in. Yeah, yeah. I just thought this was really kind of original. And we were talking about this in the Lights On Tour I felt like, why hasn't this been made into a movie? Like a legit horror yeah. film? Like, like just, this is not being done. I know that there's some Chupacabras movies out there. Don't get me wrong. Like Midnight and, and, Meat hey, Train ends a, up being Chupacabras. Yeah, and if there's a really good one out there, let us know, because I'd love to watch it, because I love the the lore. But also, there's no English being spoken in this at all, which I thought was really fun, except for the tourist at the end that's like screaming or whatever. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool for representation. Even getting representation in haunted houses, I mean, it's gone that deep, which I feel like it's really permeating in, in, in a cool way. And the guy that was one of the lead creators on it had a big hand in that. And I think it was just kind of cool to see how excited he was about it, talking to us about the houses. He was he was the, the gentleman that was giving us the tour of the lights on. And um, yeah, just, I, I don't know. Also seeing some of those uh, chupacabras up close and personal and the lights on, somehow did not avail me of the fears that I had when we were walking through it initially. <laughs> I, that's one where I got scared a few times because they had these big prop puppets that would pop out. And so it wasn't it wasn't like a person that you're expecting to walk around the corner. It was like a hole in the wall. And all of a sudden this puppet would pop out. And this big animatronic really puppet with a with a bad milky eye and yeah, uh, yeah, big yeah. fangs. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I like this horse a lot. I like this house a lot. I, like you said, like you really great production value in making it like you really feel like you're in this village and the way it kind of takes you through the town and it takes you through people's ho homes and then through like the, you know, you can tell it's like the back of a restaurant because I like the little detail. They had all of yeah. the, the the milk crates and where you stack the, the dirty glasses in uh, and a little scooter out back there was just cool little details that you can tell that uh, that main set designer what was his name was it ramon i i think you might be right my, um, why you... i didn't write this down is beyond me <laughs> i think we were just immersed in the in the tour i believe you're right but you can tell him and his team like just really wanted to like give that feel of being in that latin american village and that's just a great i think that's such a cool like darkly comic idea for a movie too to uh create this festival just to lure tourists so that you don't oh, have yeah, to absolutely, be right? sacrificed to the chupacabra i think well, then you can say something without having without saying something which i always appreciate too you know like it's not it's not hitting you over the head but it's it's tongue, it's definitely tongue-in-cheek and the, the chupacabra is one of my favorite cryptids of all time yeah and but like you were saying with the, the attention to detail, that's the thing that you get with these houses for the most part. The attention to detail is really good. This felt really lived in, and those end up being my favorite houses, right? Like so Dead Man's Pier felt really lived in. So did uh this one, and I don't want to say the next my my number one until we get there. But also 
another one that the the universal monsters legends collide i think that was really lived in and we'll talk about that soon anything else to talk about with the the except for the mark of the beast being everywhere in there <laughs> which i kind of like to and uh yeah i like that and all the graffiti uh just a, yeah, yeah. a cool like you said lived in house and uh, i mean that's a top-notch cry- cryptid more yeah. chupacabra movies please oh, yeah. All right, so that's my number two. What's your number two? Uh, number two, we're going to talk about it. Universal Monsters, Legends Collide. Okay. The Universal Monsters, obviously, are owned by Universal. And they just don't do a lot with them. Now, I remember, I wanna, I'm going to recall our Monster Squad episode where they were talking about pitching this idea to universal and they were like yeah we well the universal monsters are great on a mug but we don't really want to do anything with them so like they 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 i don't know why that is maybe they're afraid of tarnishing the legacy maybe, but like you also made maybe. that tom cruise mummy movie i know so it's like what what what, what gives okay here's the rundown of the house it, it's the wolfman versus dracula versus the mummy and there's no Lou Abbott or, 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 or there's no, <laughs> no Abbott and Costello here, okay? So we it, were the it, Abbott and Costello. Yeah, exactly. Oh, totally. If you thought one universal monster was scary, how about three? Summon your scream squad because you're about to get caught between the Wolfman, Dracula, and Mummy together for the first time. And these versions, yes, they're correct. And uh, I never posted this video. Maybe we will soon. But when we walked out of this house... And there's a lot to talk about with this house. But when we walked out of it, I looked at Mike and I thought, that's the scariest mummy that Universal has given us. And it's in this haunted house. Why can't this be in the films? And I know there's a lot of Brendan Fraser mummy fans out there. And look, hey, that that film is fun. Yeah. I, I guess the mummy's scary. I don't know. I, I, I was kind of out on the CGI mummy stuff. Well, that's more of an action adventure movie. And yeah, the mummy, yeah. like most characters, you can put any of these Universal Monster characters into any style of film, be it comedy, be it action adventure. You could do like I'd say Bram Stoker's Dracula has a little bit more is a little bit more of like a romantic drama. Right. And that can all work. But true. to your point, a true terrifying mummy. When was the last time we got one? <laughs> Waxwork in 1988. And uh, yeah, that's you all mentioned of that. Seven I, minutes. I think the mummy and Monster Squad, but it's but it's like a comedy. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I think he's scary in that, but it also I don't know. I, I maybe we had the benefit of being attacked by actual live mummies <laughs> like throughout the whole and the mummy ride, design is you know? cool because he's like seven feet tall. And oh, he's, he's huge, got this yeah. red amulet in his chest. It reminds, uh, if any of our listeners have ever seen Time Walker, a.k.a. Being from Another Planet, as it was known on Mystery Science Theater, which was a, a Star Mummy movie, to quote oh. uh, Elms, or, uh, Friday the 13th Part 7. <laughs> oh, that's right. Star Mummy. I think that something this house has going for it is the idea behind it, right? So every night, if you go to this house a different villain wins the house, right? So at the end of the house, you have um, like someone, you either have like a dead Dracula and then the mummy's holding the Wolfman's head or vice versa. And I kind of like that because it, it it begs you to come back and visit the house again another night, maybe in the run, which I think is and smart. That, it's fun. It's smart, but also the house is so damn good from its design. You're essentially just in an Egyptian tomb. Oh yeah, is that yeah. 
and there's stuff around every corner, <laughs> including more than even just a Dracula, a mummy, and a Wolfman. There's all sorts of, uh, I mean, I don't want to, I, they're like, there's shaman and there's all sorts oh, of other yeah, stuff. There's, going there's on other in gods. House. You know, yeah, other guys, and they gods. Looked right at you. one of those guys looked me in the eye <laughs> and I fucking freaked me to fuck out, man. But another cool idea behind it is the amulet, right? That you mentioned. So I guess the whole thing is they're fighting over the amulet. Cause if you have the amulet and you're the wolf band, you no longer are affected by the moon. If you have the amulet and you're Dracula, you can walk in the daytime. Right. And then if you yeah. have the amulet and you're the mummy, I can't remember what what what's the mummy? Um, it, he I, becomes whole again or something, or he becomes a human or something. But like, here's the thing: you're, you're talking about the same amulet, which is a very kind of silly MacGuffin. But I was totally sold by it. That's all you need yeah. for this to make this a feature film, and you don't need to have a mummy movie and a Dracula movie and a Wolfman movie beforehand because we all know who these characters are. You can just throw them in and have a big old monster mash based on this house. And it would be the best mummy movie we've gotten in years next to and, it follows. And, and you know what? In the meantime, go watch monster squad. Cause it's essentially the same thing, right? You have an amulet <laughs> and you have all the monsters. So it is loosely inspired. It's almost like they're going back now going, Oh, we're going to ape monster squad because we didn't, you know, like they've actually, well, it's almost like universal well. saying, <laughs> Oh, that's really cute. What you guys did by just changing the designs a little bit. Watch what we do. You know, we're going to, we're going to steal your amulet. You do get three new designs for Dracula, Wolfman, and Mummy. And I was pretty, you know, I thought they were pretty fun. I think they were good upgrades, right? I like the Dracula design in this because I like when Dracula still has a lot of the classic Dracula features. I don't like when I like when he kind of looks a little bit costumey. We talk a little bit about that yeah, in Monster Squad yeah. because that that reminds me of Christopher Lee. Right. Like where he's got like a black cape with a red lining. That's what Dracula wears, man. So each day was marked by a different Universal Monster drink. So they had specific drinks at the parks and we just happened to try well i tried two vanderbilt tried three vanderbilt do you have that in front of you what what yeah. they, what, what were they tell us what they were and then <laughs> were were they any good and what was your favorite <laughs> the the first one i did was the wolf mat i did that one poolside when we got we got into town sunday morning and the first thing i did was go hit the pool and uh had a oh, wolf yeah. man at the pool uh which was uh Jack Daniels whiskey, blackberry uh, liqueur, and pineapple juice, which this, I mean, I'll put it up front. This was probably my favorite because mm -hmm. I think sometimes you forget that whiskey can be very refreshing when mixed with a fruit juice, with more fruit flavors, and especially mm -hmm. Jack Daniels because it's extra sweet. And I just thought this was, I don't know exactly why it's, this one is the Wolfman, but it was delicious. So it's the number one. Well, I can, uh, as a Wolfman, I can say uh, that's why, because it's delicious and <laughs> really good and the best. No, uh, no, I did enjoy that drink as well. Um, and then the second night, we were the first night we were there, I guess we came back to the hotel and we had, or what did you have next? I had a mummy that night, which is probably my least favorite, but it was very good. It was very sweet, very sugary, which is just stuff that I don't like in cocktails, but it was mm. vodka. Uh, a blueberry flavored energy drink, which uh, I enjoy Red Bull and I enjoy like a uh, Red Bull vodka it reminds me of my 20s. But sometimes that overpowers a cocktail. Yeah. But then it has blue liqueur, simple syrup 
and lemon juice. It uh, a little too much going on for my taste. Mm. And then the final drink, well, which Mac I believe I, I had, we we both had this in the, the last night, and we probably shouldn't have. <laughs> well, I was going to say, a bad uh, way, but to our listeners who have, I have who have heard me rail about ordering a Bloody Mary after four o'clock, Mac and I committed a bit of a faux pas by That's having right. the Dracula at nine or ten at night. I had a side of Modelo with mine, which was essentially a Bloody Maria because it was tequila and Bloody Mary mix garnished with olives and celery. And look, you can't go wrong with having a Bloody Mary uh, be the 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 hemed Dracula drink. Kind of, but a it was funny, also awesome. It yeah. really hit the spot. It, it was good. It was kind of a funny way to end end the Universal trip. Just sitting there in the, in the lobby drinking these giant Bloody Marys because they were huge. They were big. But yeah, that so that that was a fun uh, another fun thing that they were doing down there. Okay, I think are we on our number one? I believe we we are. you have your number two still. No, my number two no? was Leslie's Clyde. Oh wow. We were already there. <laughs> I'm looking at this. You're right. I just wanted to make sure we didn't skip anything. All right. Well, then I think we should talk about it. What is the number one house? And and by no in no way are we biased. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. That's right. His beginning is your end. Silent, merciless, relentless. There's nobody like Michael Myers. And if your Scream Squad is ready, this year you can gather together and face the terror of Halloween from the very beginning. Now, again, I didn't write any of these little blurbs. These blurbs I'm pulling right from Universal Orlando Resort's Halloween Horror Nights page, which we highly suggest you go check out. Ultimately, what was cool about this was when we were doing the interview, and if you stick around, you'll definitely hear a little bit more about these. But what was cool was hearing... They'd done the ha- Halloween before. So they were like, how do we do this and do it in a way that's interesting? And it was kind of like scenes where you either show up before the event or you stick around a little longer. Or maybe if the events happen in this room, we're going to walk you through the adjacent room. Right. So it was kind of like it was kind of like you're you're let loose in the events of the movie. And you're walking down corridors you haven't walked down before. Here, right? here, here's how I would describe it. Uh, in the 1980s, Star was it Star Comics it had a droids series, right? And it was it followed oh, yeah. the adventures of C3PO and R2D2. And they did a three issue run or three or four where it was Star Wars, but it was all re- exclusively told through the droids' point of view. So mm those scenes where you were with other characters, you were hanging out with the droids. So you're like watching star Wars happen like from the peripherals a little bit. So, so this was kind of like, as if we were Halloween's cat, just roaming around (laughs) from the cat's point of view, roaming around the house and seeing Michael in various ways, shapes or forms. Now my favorite part of the house was a scare actually. So, at one point you come turn around you come around a corner and this one was really fleshed out too it really felt like you were walking around Haddonfield which is kind of cool you come around a corner and you're outside the Myers house right the front deck and you come around the side and, and the facade of the house is oh it, yeah it's the perspective massive. right so it's it's done in a perspective so it feels like you're really standing in front of it 
and you walk around this the, the side of the house and of course there's you know sheets hanging on 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 wire just like from the film and as you so of course you're scared to walk through that because you know michael's in there somewhere you know he's around there somewhere but and there's countless through, halloweens oh in, yeah in, countless uh, halloweens in there and uh you know there's a couple of scares in there but when you get to the back of that you're coming around the back of the house and and just just off to the left there's like a garage and just off to the left you see michael myers slowly walking towards you but very far away so you're like oh he's right there he's right there he's right there but then as you get to the end of the house another michael myers steps out like right in front of you and it is such an effective scare i jumped i absolutely jumped i think there's some invent one i mean aside from like You'll hear about it in our interview. Like we would, we got to visit Harry Potter land, but Mac and I don't understand why they don't create Haddonfield land in Universal, where you get to just kind of exist in Haddonfield. Uh, also, speak speaking of Harry Potter, butterbeer, pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The butterbeer is good. I got to say, and I'll we'll save it for those who listen to the interview because um, it's it's pretty informative i feel in, in terms of the decision making because we had a lot of questions about like well why, why don't you do this year round and why don't you do this and that and those questions are answered in the interview and i i feel like uh it that really did make sense to me after hearing the answers i was like oh yeah that, that does make sense <laughs> so um for those of you that wish halloween was year round it is in spirit obviously and we absolutely treat it like that here on the halloween's podcast but uh, Halloween Horror Nights will most likely remain a special event, and uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, but this this house was just great. It's um, scare after scare, and it's inventive in the sense that it really takes the idea of Michael Myers as the shape. So, like, you know, in most of the houses, you get a collection of different monsters. Mm-hmm. But in this house, the only, you know, monster that you're dealing with is Michael Myers. So there really is one around every corner. And one of my favorite scares was we come into a room and Bob is nailed to the wall. <laughs> and I, there's there's footage of this. We'll see how if it if, if, if it really kind of shows what happened. I, I grab Mac and say, hey, Mac, get a picture of me with Bob. And Michael Myers jumps out of a closet and sends me running into the other room. But right around the corner, just like Mac happened to Mac, there's another Michael there's Myers. Another there's Michael so, Myers. There's so many of them in his house. And you go through the bedroom and you see Annie on the bed and PJ Souls, uh, Linda getting strangled in the closet. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, you walk through Myers' room there. And I don't want to give away the ending too much, but basically there's a room where there might where where, where there might be a reason why there's multiple Michael Myers, but I, it's a great I, I gotta, ending to the room. It's a too. great it's, ending to the room. Yeah. I, to say it, to explain it won't do it justice but what i like about it is that it 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 doesn't adhere so closely to the story of the movie it kind of goes off a little bit there but it totally makes sense and it totally kind of wraps it up in a nice way yeah there's a, a really nice button at the end yeah absolutely so that folks is our ranking unless there's anything else you wanted to say mike about those houses uh, just that uh, here's the attention to detail. I forgot who told us this. I think it was one of our tour guides said that if you go into the living room set in the Michael Myers house in the Halloween house, they actually have a TV guide from October 1978 sitting on the table. Like that's the kind of detail that goes that's into great. these houses. And that's the kind of detail that we love here on Halloweenies. Absolutely. I mean, 
Absolutely. I mean, that's why they called us <laughs> up. We were joking around. We were like, oh, I wonder, did they call us up because they know I've heard of us or did they call us up because our name is has Halloween in the title? <laughs> they just looked at the Halloween podcast. But I got to say, regardless, we're really glad that they reached out to us because we're. I'm a huge fan of the parks in general and have, and have been a huge fan of Halloween Horror Nights. I, I we're not shilling for this. Uh, I genuinely would, even if we didn't do this, I would tell people to go and it's, try it's and go yearly because it is really a fun experience if you're a fan of horror. It's easy to have a good time down there. And something I remarked to to Mac, like you're walking around this amusement park, right, with people from all over the world and everybody in there. Freddy t-shirts or Chucky t-shirts and how, you know, when we were kids, you couldn't find stuff like that. But now just seeing all these people in their horror merch, it's just, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it really feels like the communities come together and, and just having a blast, just having a good time. And we did that, that we did. <laughs> Man, a, a whirlwind two day adventure. <laughs> yeah. So if you'd like to hear us uh, on the microphones at Universal Broadcast Center, stick around uh, as that will also be included here in this episode shortly. Man Mac and Mike Vanderbilt. And we are here with some of the creatives uh, behind the Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, if you guys just want to introduce yourselves and tell us uh, a little bit about yourselves. And, and also, what was your introduction to horror? Uh, my name is Matt Flood. I'm a senior show director for Entertainment Creative Development. And uh, horror started, I still remember spending the night at my buddy Jeremy's house. My <laughs> parents didn't have all those cool movies, and yeah. we did a, a marathon um, of a few different ones. They were ones, I'm, I'm not even sure I remember what they were called, but it was like 80s, just horror flicks that I'll probably never see again, but <laughs> just being scared all night. It was awesome. Yeah, nice. Uh, my name is Charles Gray. I'm Senior Show Director for Creative Development, and... Uh, Boy, when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies at all. Uh, I went over to my friend's house, and he sh- he had a Children of the Corn on, oh. and my bike ride from his house to my house, I had to go through a cornfield uh, oh, to wow. get home. So I was singing uh, like any song that would come to my head. I don't know why that was like my my talisman that would save me is singing songs on my bike. But uh, there was like tears coming out of my eyes as I'm singing like. <laughs> I don't know, but it was, oh. it was pretty scary. So for both of you guys, it was kind of forbidden fruit. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. now you work in it. Where did the change happen, I guess? Where did you go from, I don't want to watch this stuff, to or I'm scared of this stuff, to, oh, I love this stuff? Oh, I was always uh, uh, wanted to watch. I just wasn't allowed to. So <laughs> like I said, it was forbidden fruit. Um, but there's a lot of great stories that I think are based on that. And I'm an older brother, so I would come up with my own stories to scare my siblings at nighttime, <laughs> uh, we didn't need a campfire. I would just tell them these scary stories. We still laugh about it. Even. Yeah, yeah, I think I think for me it was 
uh, I was actually just really scared for a long time. Um, and, and it, it, what drove that, uh, coming back and, and watching scary stuff was like, it's that cool factor, you know, like I can watch the scary stuff. Yeah, I can handle that type of thing. Right. But it wasn't until, um, I have a, I have a degree in creative writing and I really started analyzing story after story and all the different things that make stories come alive and make, and, and in the horror genre, not only is there just an immense amount of diversity, but the techniques used to tell those stories and when they're done well, it is layer upon layer of what makes it that emotional trigger, that thing that makes you jump, that thing that makes you be dreadful of what's coming, mm-hmm. uh, all those things. And that's where it became this, oh, th- what an amazing genre to work in where you have all of these amazing tools to create very strong emotion. And then, you know, we laugh about how people always laugh afterwards. You know, they get, they, <laughs> they, they, they <laughs> scream and then they laugh, you know. He yeah. saw me do that. Countless times uh, yeah, at the houses our, last night. That was our whole experience. It was just that <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as you, they get you, it's just followed by laughter because they're just having such a good time. And uh, I, I feel like horror for us is a way to experience these things and then have a, you know that release in a safe environment, right? None of us are ever going to do that. Every single horror person I've ever met has been one of the nicest, sweetest people. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's it's, true. it's really interesting. That's true. Yeah. Be trolls or something, or <laughs> right. evil, yeah. you know, monster yeah. people. Yeah. We're all like really nice, and, and that's what yeah. we call our fans—the real, the, the real Halloweeny heads, the real trolls. trolls. You know, but but in, 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 in a nice way, we we love them. We love them. Um, yeah. Um, so now you guys are, we're here at Universal. We're doing a Hollywood Horror Nights. Like, I suppose I want to say like, we're big fans of the Universal Horror, the classics. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, guys, big fans of those. Do uh, you have a favorite Universal monster? Um, I was actually in the Beetlejuice show for a long time as Frankenstein. Wow, nice. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But the one that scared me the most was the Wolfman. Oh yeah, when I was younger, and even though there was a, the time lapse transformations, for some odd reason that seemed more creepy to me. Uh, just the you know the the slow changes and and just kind of the camera just sitting there watching it just terrified me as a kid. Seeing the hair grow out mm. of the skin, the the fingers lengthen, and almost like you can't run away because you are the camera, so you're watching that. Um, that always like really freaked me out. Yeah. Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. For me, oh, yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, and I, I can't help but going back to the scene by the water and and girl, and I mean, like that's I don't even want to describe it. Like that <laughs> moment still hits so potently in like the the tragedy of that character, and uh, you know, and that's what draws that fear. That's what makes you just horrified at what could come. It's- yeah, and no, and that's interesting because there is a lot of drama and a lot of other elements in horror, and we're getting that a lot in some of these houses. Uh, just like the uh, Dead Man's Pier, uh, we were saying it's kind of a really reserved house in a way and very uh, just kind of takes its time. There's a lot of meditative moments in that. And uh, jumping to another question, though, I, I, I could talk about that all night. <laughs> but um, when, I guess what was your entry point for working on the, the haunted houses, right? Like when you first came in, was that you were working on it? Or were you in the uh, boo hole, as they say in the industry? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I was a character in like 94. I think it was one of my first jobs here. Not my first, but one of the first ones. Um, and then I was in the Bill and Ted show for a few years. I uh, had the opportunity to be a performance captain at the time for Grinchmas. And then they were opening up a lot of the Potter stuff in 
parks mm-hmm. and needed help. And um, again, I, I think maybe I'm easy to work with, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> you not. Are. You actually, actually are. are. No, but that's uh, true. <laughs> I think is they just need somebody who could step in and, and just grab the reins. And so I was very blessed to have that opportunity and just ran with it in HHN 23. Yeah, for me, actually, uh, uh, first one, uh, I jumped in in 2007, um, and that was my first time uh, being a part of the event. Uh, and you know, I got to uh, do some show direction for a couple of the houses there, and that's when it just was I, – I guess I hadn't fully understood how the whole thing operated until yeah. I stepped in and trained into that event, and it's it was a wow moment. Yeah. You know? Um. I guess another question I had about just that. this is clearly like incredibly popular, right? And it's been going on for 31 years now, mm-hmm. right? Has there ever been talk about creating its own park almost? Because I feel like horror, and for us, we do horror year round. And we're always sad when October's over, right? But <laughs> we're, sa- we're sad we're, up we're, front because it's going to be a, it's like Jerry, uh, Kramer telling Jerry, you know, this is my busy time of year. Yeah. Which yeah. it is. It is. But then we realize, oh, there's something that's released in November. There's something, you know, there's always horror movies coming out, there's always events going on. And we go to a lot of different, you know, cons. It, has there ever been talk of creating like a like what are they doing those new islands right yeah like a new island or something that's all horror like literally you know? monster not to, island not to take away from <laughs> this right but like doing something with like the universal monsters right I mean I know you have like you know, the mummy and uh, uh, creature of the black lagoon is my personal favorite. yeah 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 I mean has there ever been talk about doing something like that in our experience we do it all year <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, that's true. Twenty twenty three before we yeah. we came in here, so yeah. um, it's it is year round for us, like you said. And right. There's something about a season where it closes, and because you're sad that it's gone, you kind of mourn it for a little bit, and then you get excited again. Yeah. The prospect of something new because we don't repeat things, so mm-hmm. um, I think that encourages you to come back and experience a whole new yeah. story the next year. That's and how so, stories work, beginning, middle, and end. And, and I mean, yeah. that's what makes you then trust the next time you want to experience that story, yeah, is so that you've experienced the whole thing. Yeah, so it going away makes you want it all the more. No, it's funny because uh, my brother and I, who's also on the podcast but couldn't make it, uh, we're big James Bond fans, and it's it's the it's the reason why there's, I love that there's three or four years in between films. Like I love all the movies that come out, and you know you get a, a, a new movie every year, you know from whatever franchise is coming out. But there is something too that you know that long period in between that makes you want to. It doesn't matter if the last one was really bad. <laughs> You forget that, and then you were, you're excited about the next thing, and you you want to be excited about it, and then you get to anticipate it coming, and that's just that's that yeah. So I totally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any dream houses for you guys, like IP wise, mm. like barring if Universal has their hands on it or not, that you would love to work I'll, in that world? I suppose yeah. I'll say from my experience, what what drives me and makes me love it is taking and and this is just an honest answer I, I know you know but the honest answer is i love taking any story and finding how to experience it and make it hit that's what i get the charge from that's yeah. the thing that makes me go i love this job and it could be a, a brand that i am just average fan of it could be a brand that i've been a super fan of but it's that moment that i go this is how we can experience it i love the interactive that immersive 
thing that makes Halloween Horror Nights awesome. And that that's what gets me going. So the IP, we've said it before, we're looking for an IP that's great for this event, not just something that we happen to love watching in a, in a movie form, in a, a show right, form yeah, or whatever. Because a great movie might not make a great haunted house. It's how you're experiencing it. Dissecting it, figuring out how to how, how we would interact with it. You know, a lot of times you got great camera shots in a movie um, that you can't replicate because you're not the camera. You know, we can force you to look one way or the other with distraction, uh, the pathway. But again, in in this type of format, it's really picking apart. That said, one of those I think where you did kind of recreate the camera angles. Was the Halloween house yeah, this year, I was which say was that. Yeah, uh, because it was our favorite. You had that POV of him walking through the house, so it's like, oh, it's already done for you there you know, to an extent, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that was you, really cool. When attacking the Halloween house, how do you do something that's been around for 40 years like that and make it original? What's the thought process that goes into that? And I love what was created there. I love, you know, I'm, I'm a, a fan of the music, like just picking apart the music. Uh, picking apart the pacing of the whole thing, yeah. um, the build to each kill, the um, the the person that is or the the shape that is Michael Myers. I mean, you know, like uh, it's such a engaging story, even now, and and that's I think that's because it hits something of just how the brain works, and mm -hmm. we're still human now, just like we were back those decades ago, sure. you know. And yeah. so, like uh, seventy eight to now, it hasn't changed that we're all human, and and this, we process these things. So, um, I think that house really pops for that reason. There's also a lot to be said of attacking the story in different ways. So, yeah. for example, at Halloween. Chronology is a great way to encounter that because it has a very there's a lot of signposts along the way plot wise. Mm -hmm. So that was a great way to to show that house. Sometimes we'll do a house where it's it's all mixed up. It's like a fever dream, and you're experiencing these moments almost out of context because it's really about that the the, the little nuggets and moments yeah. and characters. Yeah, um, and what would fit that? So it really is each IP. You get it. You look at it. What's the best way to present this? Um, in a way that will be easily digested. Sometimes we'll do an IP that's not as well-known, like a TV show or something, and there's so much to pull yeah. from. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of picking those moments apart. But something like Halloween, I mean, that's, again, this year, you're walking through the movie chronologically. I think that's the best way to tell a story. Yeah, we were just over at the Harry Potter world, uh, and we were, we were kind of joking, but we think this might be a great idea. Can we get, like, a Haddonfield immersive experience out on the streets you know you can go break into the hardware store and you know go have a drink over at the bar from halloween kills any any chance of something like that well, to, to your point the 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 coolest thing that and i just get excited whenever i and we hear this all the time people have this idea and i i they have ideas they like oh, what if we did this and my wife does this to me yeah. she's like well what if you all did this <laughs> and what's cool about that is that it speaks to the potency and the the cool factor of what this event is, and and so you know, of course, you know, we're not going to talk future no, stuff. But, absolutely but the, not. No, but we knew to that. your point, I love that, and I love that we well, keep hearing people <laughs> get excited about what we do. Well, it goes back to what you said about Halloween. It's it's primal. It's something forty years on, like people still feel it, and that's why people want to live in that world. 
Preferably not getting slaughtered by Michael Myers. Right? <laughs> Preferably. Was there anything this year that you were particularly proud of that that kind of came together in a way that you were surprised about? Um, I'm actually. This is my first year working on streets, and okay. I was solely houses for the last decade. Um, and so I, I I just feel proud that 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 got. That it turned out okay. <laughs> it turned out awesome. <laughs> but also, there's a, whoo, but, um, really kind of like, I, I'm big into like audio and I love the music. Um, and I think it works well in the streets, you know, like the, it's all original music that was written for San Francisco. And we we're like, what if we took heavy metal and mixed it with Celtic instruments, you know? And we're like, okay, this sounds really <laughs> cool. All right. You know, or, or all the fifties music that music that we selected for the, the New York's uh, sweet revenge. Um, that, that, that's just like a, such a fun process of like type of audio scape you're going to have for houses and even more so in the streets because you've got at least an hour's worth of content to create yeah. for that. So it was a lot of fun. I, I guess that was another question that I had was, you know, we were talking to Ramon earlier at mm-hmm. one of the houses and he was saying that they were, you know, you're already kind of spitballing and thinking about the next year, uh, which I kind of love, uh, because it, it, it that, that 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 amount of time is being put into the next yeah, this year. This stuff right? doesn't happen. You don't wake up in September and be like, oh, we got to get this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, like yeah. me putting out the ho- my Halloween decorations on October third yeah. in front of the house. Like if I don't get these up now, then what's the point in doing it? But I, I think what was great about doing that walkthrough and just in hearing that was that the attention to detail and that there really is. It isn't just like you're slapping a story on a house that you put together. There really is. Uh, you know, a passion being put into it. Uh, and so, so to that, when you start to work on uh, think, thinking about what you're going to do for the next year, does it hinge on what's landed this year particularly? Or are there those ideas already kind of coming to you as you're leading, as you're working up to this current yes. year? If that's, conv- <laughs> yeah. if that's convoluted. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. Well, because when we first start out, and, and I'll let you, just a no, second, no, I, no, I keep no. talking, but it's like the, uh, like when we do come sit down in the room and, you know, the IPs are kind of flushed out and we're selecting the original stories to basically kind of fill in the blanks of things that are missing. Um, so that way there's something for everybody. There's easily 20 ideas that don't get that year and inevitably two or three that didn't make it the year before will make it into the next year because they're that strong of an idea mm. it's just that we have a limited amount of you know houses we're creating um it's it really is a fun process to kind of mm. see what really latches on because usually we'll come up with like eight full-on houses and then kind of shoot them up the ladder and be like what's what's our larger executive group think of those right. two it sounds like, I mean, obviously your ideas come from all over the place, but do you have any maybe notable stories about any of the houses this year where you can tell us where that, if you know, where that story gestated from? Was it a scare? Was it an idea? Was it something more specific or something, you know, wider than that? I So my, my and what I was, if this is actually answer to the previous question and this one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, and, and, how do I put this? If you go into any creative process thinking that this idea that I have is the thing that's going to be it, and I just got to get everybody inside my head, your your idea inside your head is never going to be the magic that happens in this place. The, the incredible level and detail that comes to life happens because of collaboration. And so while 
I know those moments that I had an idea that then became part of this house. Mm. Yes. But I, I don't have any specific one that I want to take credit for. Like, yeah, I remember when I had that idea. Because, you know, it's <laughs> like, yeah, there's moments that you're really proud of. Like, that did work. I remember thinking of that, that thing. But it's just like one scene. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, the, the, the success of this event comes from collaboration. Absolutely. Yeah, we challenge each other. We and even if I completely agree with it, I'll still ask the question just so we it, it, we're doing that today. Can't say any, too much, but uh, we we were coming up with a house idea. We'd already talked it through, and then in talk we we had the weekend coming back in. We started talking through, and we're like, "Oh, we need to change this just mm. to make it more clear and what it's going to be." So we're always challenging each challenging each other and and really figuring out the best way to to show the guests story. Is there a set amount of IP houses versus, you know, kind of just a totally original idea house? Or or is that just kind of fall into, like you were saying, you have, you know, 20, 30 suggestions or, or you know, ideas thrown out there and then ultimately it's whittled down. And then whether, if, hey, if this original house is a great idea and, and it's really got traction and it's better than someone's IP suggestion or something, is there a... Is there a cap on both, or is that just kind of like a free-for-all? It, it usually runs between four to six IPs versus original and the 10, um, knowing that there'll be kind of the main thrust of three or four of those IPs. Um, and that's just how it's been. I know that in the, on, in Hollywood, because that's where the movies are made, they have a few more IPs. than we. That's okay. I mean, we're, uh, we know that the IPs especially people who haven't been here before, we'll drive them to come see it. And then we let the original stories uh, c- keep them coming back, right? They, they get very excited about the originals yeah. as much. But usually an original story doesn't necessarily draw somebody here. It's, it's you know, uh, something that they're a fan of. And yeah. then they go, oh, wow, I love your original stories too. <laughs> uh, you're probably not, I know you're not going to name names on this, but with the success of the Weekend House, which we both, oh yeah, that know, was great. we ranked really in, cool. among the top, do you have more musical artists now wanting to get in on this? I don't think we're being told that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I was curious about that because you know our tour guide said that he had he had approached Universal about doing something, and I thought, I wonder how many people think about do doing that. You know, reach out. And we do get approached you, yeah. by a lot of the IPs, and we meaning Universal. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I right. mean, not yeah, me personally, yeah. but yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you on the street, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, town over in Hogwarts, <laughs> because it really, it, you know, there's probably a lot of people came to the event who maybe aren't that younger demographic that have never even heard of the weekend. Maybe they saw him in the Super Bowl or something. So right. we also familiarize people with his music and got them excited about it, and vice versa. So um, it's it's very um, it. You know, it's a great partnership yeah. working together with these groups. Uh, yeah, I mean, just really, there is a lot of great ideas out there, so it should be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much again for having us here and answering yeah, all these questions. This is a blast, and uh, Glad really you had a good forward. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to next year and the years to come for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. awesome. That makes us happy. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We are the Halloweenies. This is Mike Vanderbilt. And this is Wolfman Mac. We're down here at Universal Studios.
possibilities. Uh, and we have some guests in the studio today. Who are we talking to? Uh, you're talking to Gregory Hall, I'm the creative director of Velocicoaster. And Shelby Honey, I am uh, an executive producer here, but I was show producer on the Jurassic World Velocicoaster. One of our favorite coasters. Yeah, oh, of uh, the- uh, one of. Uh, well, yes, one of, but my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if we'll, we, we want to talk to you about the roller coaster. We actually, that's how we ended up. We weren't, I think, I don't think we're necessarily set up to interview you guys, but we were just so kind of fascinated with this roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. But because of, we're a horror, more of a horror movies podcast than a mm-hmm. parks podcast, and we were kind of talking a little bit off mic about this. Are you guys both horror fans? Is the vibe I got? Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. When did you first get into horror? What was it that gravitated you? The earliest moment that you can remember. The earliest moment? Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, you know, growing up in the 90s, uh, you're just surrounded by horror. You, you, you're scared of going in the bathroom and the, <laughs> and the lights turning off. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. just, there's, the trailers would go off and you're just you're afraid of it. So, you know, my earliest memories of what terrified me were. You know, there was Jason, but there was like Children of the Corn. Second time Children of the Corn. You know, I was like, I was afraid of cornfields, and I didn't live by any cornfields. I was like, I just, I just can't go into a cornfield. I'm starting to think that there might be a Children of the Corn Halloween horror house next year. Yeah, we might need to do it because I, you know, you're just you're just always scared of weird stuff in the '90s, like quicksand and stuff. So yeah, remember when you were a kid, you thought that was gonna be the biggest problem in your life. I need to learn karate. <laughs> no, nobody yeah, told yeah. you about debt collectors. They only you, you're afraid of quicksand. Same thing, right? Uh, no, totally. I think for me, I had a uh, uh, there, there's a you know those hurdles and those things in life that you just like remember that moment. And I remember the two VHSs of it, and oh, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. getting through the first VHS. And I was like, how could I possibly, how could I possibly plug in the second VHS in this movie? I'm never going to go to the bathroom again. So, um, you know, those like kind of, I think what's really stuck out to me about those and how that relates to what we do is it's like these moments that you kind of remember, like looking back and like, that was no big deal. I'm totally fine. And and that kind of threshold that you cross as you do these things. Uh, and that's something we definitely apply in our design process. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny Many could argue, I think Jurassic Park is at its core a monster movie. And uh, mm-hmm. that was also a very scary, uh, that kitchen scene. <laughs> I suppose that was our next question. When did you see Jurassic Park and uh, how cool is it? I mean, I guess I'm kind of interested in creative process as far as did you bring your Jurassic Park idea to them? Did they come to you? Like the, I love roller coasters, but the behind the scenes world is completely. Mm-hmm. I, well, yeah. And then to, uh, on top of that, just in the creative process of of this, uh, with, with the horror element, right? The raptors, right? Clearly one of the, the most frightening things in Jurassic Park. Uh, but then you have this element with all the new Jurassic World movies, right? Where Blue and some of the, the raptors have become more docile. or Not docile, very ferocious still. But more of like the good guy. Was it, in, was it a challenge to go back and try to attack the raptors uh, with... A fear again with bring making them scary again on that level as the first film. Um, you know, something that's unique. Even you know, we could take further than the film is that we we are working with a thrilling attraction. And, you know, guests their hearts already racing at the moment yeah. they step in the queue, and 
know, knowing that we we're making a thrill attraction and they're universal, um, we have the ability to create that that rite of passage, that that experience that you can't wait to get older to, or you you conquer your fears to get on. And it's a real real thrill that's going to actually happen to you uh, beyond the screen. And, you know, since we were self-aware of that, we really want to dive into it. So your experience starts before you even strap onto the ride vehicle. Right. Um, you know, just from the sounds of the coaster whispering by, you, you actually <laughs> see it fly through the building while you're in the queue with raptors chasing it. You know, you have face-to-face with the raptors and their muzzles. Uh, you can smell them. Uh, Sounds that we use, um, getting it as close as possible, even outside queue. There's there's so many elements in there that you know we've taken from these horror films and brought it to real life to just help you feel like you're immersed in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I want to hit on that a little bit too because um, again, I am truly a, a haunt kid. Uh, I'm a big fan, and so much of even for Velocicoaster, right? So we start with big spaces, big corporate, shiny, and then through your time in the queue, the rooms are getting smaller, smaller, tighter, darker, oh. darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like the light fixtures, we tried to even uh, replicate a little bit of what you see in that first Jurassic yeah, Park film uh, with the uh, DNA strands through the light. Um, so yeah, in the first Jurassic film, when the raptor is, is like the most horror scene in the first film, uh, you have these shadows above the raptors that have a pattern and really replicated that effect in the queue just so that when you're walking through, you see the, the shadows kind of rolling off of your skin. Yeah. And, it you know, you feel more closed in. It feels more unpredictable. And, you know, that, that feeling of what's going to happen or misdirection is hmm. very important when you're, you're talking about a, a thrill ride. Well, this is something I want to talk about because this is Mike's first time at Universal. So we we did with with the VIP tour. You know, we're, we're missing the queue, and I feel like the queue is huge. And a lot of a lot of these rides. What's great is that they. I feel like a lot versus, of versus versus the old Six Flags where you'd just be watching old Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> right, but I do feel like you know, and parks have gotten wise over the last you know twenty years, so they've really turned the queues into rides themselves almost. And you know, like you were saying, with when you're walking through the queue. You, you see the coaster come through. Mm-hmm. You see the Raptors chasing it. I mean, uh, this the 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 coaster itself is already terrifying. Right. And then you know that's all. And then you, with the queue, it's just adding that element. And then you're just constantly hearing it go through. You know, and and just really amping oh, yeah. that up. And I think that that really works to its favor. And I would, you know, people that are just skipping these things or taking the express mm-hmm. pass. I'm kind of like, you know. I, you know, I, I grew up here, so I went to the parks a lot. <laughs> right. But I, I'm kind of like pro waiting the lines because it's fun. I mean, it's fun to see that. And, and you if you're catching the things and if you're fans of it, right, like mm-hmm. you're catching all that stuff. So it's cool to see the attention of yeah, detail. Some, that's some gone people into just it. go through the queue and, you know, um, you know, maybe they can't ride roller coasters, but they just want to see yeah. the experience, understand it. Their friends get off, <laughs> you know, they still feel like they were part of the overall experience. Right awesome no and and i'm gonna keep bringing it back because i know this is kind of 
there's so many parallels, truly so many parallels, yeah. because even, you know, for us, we do have a, we call it a chicken door, but there is a way that you can go through the entire queue of Lost Coaster. And again, we're building, we're very meticulously building the tension of the queue. Mm-hmm. And if we've built it and it's a little too much and you're just incredibly intimidated <laughs> by the time you're looking at that coaster, you do have a way to leave. But even like the axe, uh, we, uh, right before you're, you make the choice to step onto this vehicle, you get a little bit of comic relief. You get this banter between Claire and Owen in our queue. And again, it's just like, that is the point where we're noticing that guests need to laugh a little bit, right? <laughs> right, right. And then uh, uh, the ride <laughs> itself, again, is is pure adrenaline. Yeah. And even where we placed our storytelling elements, right, we knew and we've seen that uh, when people come into that final break zone, they're laughing it off. They're kind of, like, that's yeah. their survival moment. That's kind of when the ride and the experience ends because that's when the, like, yeah, world's back. And I, I yeah. think you already answered my question. Do you go down there and hang out in the queue? Absolutely. And watch people <laughs> and get a big kick out of, like, when you know when you know the scare is coming, like a, you know, like a director sitting in the back of the theater watching, waiting for that moment. All right, so, you know, the best example is, Okay. Let's say you have a surprise for someone and you know exactly what it is. You know, they're going to open, you know, a box and you know there's going to be a reaction. Yeah. And you're just as excited as they are, you know, even though you know exactly what's in the box. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like for us, except it's a million people, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of people. So that 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 feeling of excitement is just. It's so awesome because you just it's like seeing another person open the box and they're surprised. But it's a different reaction. And um and that's what we do it for, you know, to kind of balance, you know, what's going on in the world and just bring another positive light to it and but still, you know, make it thrilling, make it cool and uh justice for people who just love this type of stuff my for sure favorite part place to watch and uh it's funny right as we were opening like because it was also covid rules so we had to be six feet away we were all Uh, fighting for who got to be here but there's a little spot where you can see the vehicles coming in that had just uh experienced it and the guests are still in it and they're just like laughing relieved like giggles for Mm -hmm. days and then there's the people right next to them about to get on the attraction Mm -hmm. who are like (laughs) again, at that peak of anxiety. <laughs> and it's just funny watching this juxtaposition because, like, sometimes they're, like, yeah. hyping each other up. Sometimes they're, like, don't... Like, that is a really fun uh, little social thing to watch. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the reactions are hilarious. I remember um, this one... Um, I know he was on the ride, and he told me that someone sat next to him, and it was like, hey, you don't know me, but we're going to die together. <laughs> <laughs> they live, they live. But it was... <laughs> It's just this, oh, yeah. this, this funny, like, you know, we hype rode, experience. We rode the front car together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, ooh, that's front a good scene. Yeah. He threw his hand up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess, I guess hey, we're hey, doing this. front car? Us. Uh, but that was easily, <laughs> You're coming, right? easily the best. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Now, oh, man. Do you guys have any favorite roller coasters growing up? Growing up? Yeah. Uh, this is a cool question for me. Um so my very first roller coaster was an Incredible Hulk coaster. Oh, then, nice. okay. Yeah. So years, still haven't been on that. I, I, I wanted on to that? get them on it. Yeah. yeah. Years ago, um, Ashley was given the task to refurb for it, so I redesigned the vehicle and you know everything that was in the queue. Worked with Fallout Boy, so that was actually amazing kind of dream come true that he <clears throat> didn't even know was possible. So that was a career. Memory and uh, years after that, you know, we're tasked to 
cool story. Yeah, similar yeah. for me, it, it was Hulk as well. And uh, my family came here right after, uh, I think it was like late 2001. <laughs> and yeah. it was, uh, I remember very distinctly, like we all, like Hulk became like a thing we took home with us where it was like, listen, this is no big deal. We did Hulk or like, you know, any anything. It was like our new bar of mm-hmm. thing that we could handle. <laughs> um, I still remember there was a piece of merch that said like no no. Sp- or something like yeah. some, it was like it was really intense marketing at the time and i still have that magnet <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say well with the last few years like the velocity we're like ah, the, we can deal with it we've done the velocity <laughs> coaster oh yeah you know yeah. it's like <laughs> the cool the cool part about the that's ride, how i want to go out is on the front car of a roller <laughs> yeah, coaster right. what is life happen. anymore <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean our team was full of coaster enthusiasts so a mm. lot of people on our team have over 300 400 coasters oh, on wow. a log and that's what even that's what made it even better. Um, there was a lot of this must happen, unique opportunity that no one in the coastal community ever has. For instance, bear roll over the water with the Mosasaurus roll. That was you great. know yeah. that that was the first time it's ever been done, and it's been tried before, but that was the first time it's actually been done. And um, crazy over it. So there's these these subtleties that we made sure were in there and added more and maneuvers on the ride that do not have names for it yet this has never been done on any other ride how do you how do you make like how do you figure out it doesn't work you figure out it doesn't and how many lives does it cost that's a great (laughs) great question um we (laughs) we have we're, we're the team's very tech savvy so we're using a lot of Tools, whatever it takes to to make yeah. sure that um, we vet out all our ideas. You're not using the old uh, roller coaster tycoon for the PC. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that know, game. Or I remember you, that you... game. I, I played it when <laughs> I was great a, game. It was a great game. Um, <laughs> not that, but uh, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of rules and stuff that you know pertains to the real world. But you know the team's very uh, aware of all that. Mm-hmm. Very trained. Different backgrounds yeah it's interesting we had uh, somebody ask us like oh, it seems like all of these new coasters that are coming out are so smooth mm-hmm. and it was funny because like if, what's what's happening it's like well computers uh you know and you have to think some of these first uh, attractions truly not even first attractions five ten years ago well i guess more ten years yeah. ago now were like still being done in in hand cat drawings right. yeah um so so it's come a long way and i think we've got a, a level of precision that we're able to do now think about uh also nerd out about it's like the vertical physics and like vfx right and Mm -hmm. it's like all of these physics engines that are uh in vfx you know we're using these also uh in Mm -hmm. our designs too so we uh we're able to understand a lot about the forces and a lot about things now today um well before we bend a single piece of steel yeah a lot a lot of jobs problem solving and you get asked a lot you know what's the program to use or what's this (laughs) and it's it's really you know whatever it takes uh, you know, there's different problems, and most problems that we have aren't uh, things that anyone's seen before. So if you imagine, imagine communicating with someone. Usually someone says, it's sort of like this, and you show them a picture or someone's seen from a movie. But if you're trying to describe something that no one's seen before, how do you yeah. do it? And, you know, figuring, way, figuring out a way to communicate, um, it's not necessarily one tool and that's the only tool um you have to find there's maybe physical forms of doing it simulations of it animations of it so 
you know, it's being able to learn new ways of doing things, not being afraid to learn. Um, there's a lot of cool people around us who do that. And so we were like, hey, did you know this is this just came out? And we're like, ah, I got to learn this. Oh, yeah. So so we're all right, like, right. like obsessed with getting better hmm. in a fun way. It's almost like playing a game, video games or something. So, yeah. It's not too, it's not stressful learning the stuff, uh, but you know that's the main thing, man. There's so many new challenges and most problems are opportunities. Going in there and, uh, and pushing the envelope and, and not being afraid of what's gonna, you know, you're gonna find the answer somewhere yeah. down the line, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, maybe even more on the next coaster, like whatever you got, yeah, whatever you couldn't figure out on Velociraptor one, you're gonna say, I'm gonna get that on the next one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we do that all the time. Yeah, we um, we have patents for ideas. Um, it's just it's just so cool. Um, I was thinking in the back of my head, like when we were talking about the the horror films. You know, there's so many like subtle things, and what what I love about horror films is like how they're able to um, nest with your kind of emotions and your psychic yeah. with subtleties it's mm-hmm. like you know almost the most mysterious parts of it you know you get people to actually um scare themselves you oh, know yeah. you know it's almost like you can't scare someone more than they can scare themselves in their head and you know we on Velocicoaster, we have small things like that. Even when you're in the first launch, it kind of backs up slowly. Yeah. And then, oh, I was not it, expecting that. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it, and you're like, wait. You know, wait, first wait, you, wait. you feel like it's just going to stop. But yeah. then when it backs up, you're like, is this normal? Well, it is like, always scarier like, when, you, when, when you're like, well, I think I hear well, something like, rattling around on here. I don't think it's supposed to be happening. It was like right. a slingshot. I was like, this is not going right. to be intense. Right. And, yeah. you know, and, and that's something that, when we we're designing, we we're trying to bring back and because sometimes when things are too smooth, too quiet, you know, you're missing some personality. You know, you think of an old roller coaster, you're terrified not of the drop, you're terrified of the clank, 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 clank. We have yeah. the American Eagle at Six Flags, Great America yeah. in Chicago, and that I don't know how that thing is still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that same fear when you go up. Yeah. yeah. So you know. You don't want to lose that essence with, you know, going too modern. You want to figure out just a modern way of maintaining it and making it not predictable and more mysterious. So you're saying that the, there were some turns and some things that happened in the red that haven't been given names yet. Mm-hmm. Do you all get to do that? <laughs> yeah, have you, well, is there no, someone out, is it is it, is it does someone calls it and then it just sticks or is there actually like a you know uh, uh, how they name galaxies right you know, yeah like that, there, there's you know? some that we didn't name but the um the one that we we got one on um was the multiverse role and uh, just kept calling it the multiverse role and and then it really was like any press Weave in there, but that's called. It's Mosasaurus roll now. It will be existence. It's Mosasaurus Because the parks do, anything we do ends up belonging to the fans, and then it is kind of theirs entirely, mm, right? Yeah. So it's like we kind of have this like one moment yeah. where it's like they can name anything else. And then we did make a sign for it. So we did put like, you know, kind of a habitat sign and like the Mosasaurus roll and blah, blah, blah. So once we started seeing the bloggers post it and it, 
holding on on Twitter. We're like, we did the thing. Yeah, that's we did gotta the be thing. a win, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a Halloweenies role where you know it's when it's whenever you know well, no, I'm we give... like something that they don't, or they uh, like something we don't. Yeah. I was say the Halloweenies role is where I'm gonna, I have to ask them. You're, I noticed your hat. You're wearing a Decepticon hat. Mm-hmm. How big a fan of you of 1986's Transformers the movie? That's <laughs> the cartoon. That's one of our favorite movies on the podcast. <laughs> discussed it's not horror on the podcast. <laughs> I, I worked on uh, all three Transformers attractions, so um, nice. uh, you know I wish I you know could appreciate it in 1986 one. Us too. But so that's that's what the hat was. You know, um, nice. I like I like the projects I worked on and stuff. He told me he's cool, a big cool. fan of the Transformers ride. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, it's, that was, that it's was a fun project. banger. And, you know, even the rides in the future, there's just going to be a bar keeps just getting higher and higher, and Velocicoaster just, yeah, just set know, it so high. It's been years since I've been here. Uh, some of these rides, I mean, all, all, all the, most of the rides we did today were rides I haven't been on yet. And you always think, when you go to the parks all the time, oh, this is going to be... You know, like what else can they do? The last, you know, the last couple things they did were great, and they they topped it. But you think it's always going to be the same? And and I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. Like everything we went on pushed the envelope even more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not my favorite. That's not my favorite. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously, that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> but uh, I, it's it's, 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 it's a success. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 been fantastic. Well, thanks so much for, for oh, talking man. to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. been really yeah. awesome. This Definitely. is such a fun perspective because it's like it's that's cool. like we're, yeah, we're really a little different making... than the park podcasts, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. the best horror movies are called roller coaster rides, right? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. man, I mean, the Hulk was in a horror movie. Oh yes, the Hulk was. Well, you can offer. Oh, it. oh it the, oh, the coaster itself was in a movie. It was, yeah, it, it, a, it, 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 I'm just going to assume it's a final thing. destination movie. It, was it? I'm just going to assume that somebody rolled up that yeah, thing. I do remember movie, that. I remember that. Yeah, it, you know, launched off the rails in there. You know, that's a real oh, thing. It happened gosh. in the movie. Only in the movie. <laughs> or uh, was it 1977's roller coaster? You found it. Yeah, around. I believe it is. It was a whole movie. Haunted Hill, 1999. You're, right. You're absolutely right. They filmed yeah. it before the the park even opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just watching this the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yes, yeah, a great horror legacy. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Well, we not only hope you enjoyed this episode, but we hope you get a chance to visit Halloween Horror Nights. Now, if I lived in LA and Orlando, again, it would be a yearly outing for me. Who knows, folks? Maybe maybe the folks down there were charmed by our amulet, and maybe, just maybe one day, we'll see a haunted house helmed by the weenies. And when that day happens, we hope that you'll join us.
This is the end of our show. For now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. 